This is the Build Wealth Canada podcast, episode number 54. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell, and welcome to the Build Wealth Canada show. Today, I have the actual creator of the TFSA on the show, so the tax-free savings account. So I'm super excited to share this interview with you as who better to get the best TFSA tips and strategies from than the actual creator of the TFSA. Now, his name is Kevin McCarthy. And while working in Ottawa, Kevin was responsible for the financial literacy file for Minister Flaherty and helped launch the federal government's financial literacy panel. And he played a key role in the development and naming of the tax-free savings account, the single most important personal savings vehicle since the introduction of the RRSP, so the Registered Retirement Savings Plan. Now, Kevin has since joined a great organization called Enriched Academy, which focuses on teaching financial literacy here in Canada. And we'll talk about them in a minute. But before joining the private sector, Kevin worked for more than 10 years in government, serving as the advisor to the Ontario Premier and to both a provincial and federal finance minister. And for eight of those years, he served as a director of policy and chief of staff to Canada's finance minister. Now, Kevin played a central role in all significant financial challenges the government of Canada managed from 2006 to 2013, including the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009 and the design and implementation of eight federal budgets. He also served as the senior advisor to Canada's prime minister and finance minister in countless international forums, including the G20 and the G7. Now, Kevin has a BA from Queen's University and received the Queen Elizabeth II Golden Jubilee Medal for his work in public policy related to the creation of the tax-free savings account, so the TFSA. So yeah, definitely quite the resume. I'm really excited to have him on to help enhance our financial literacy and give us some top strategies and tactics on getting the most out of our TFSA. Now, Kevin has since joined an organization called Enriched Academy, which I'm a huge fan of as they essentially have a financial literacy course that I think should be mandatory to every single Canadian. Now, I've gone through it and it's basically everything about money that I should have been taught in school before entering the real working world. What's also neat is that they were actually successful on Dragon's Den and now have Jim Treleving and Bruce Croxon also endorsing them and their financial literacy program. Now, I know they are working on trying to get it implemented in our schools too, which is amazing because I remember spending countless hours being forced to learn calculus, which I have yet to use, by the way. (laughs) And yet myself and you have never actually been trained in our school system on things like how to manage your credit score to get the lowest possible rate on your mortgage and how to decide whether you should be using your RSP versus your TFSA and you know, the different investing options available to us as Canadians and much, much more. So I definitely want to give a big shout out to their course, which you can check out by going to buildwealthcanada.ca slash academy. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash academy, A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Think of it as a financial literacy checkup to make sure that you're not missing out on some key pieces of knowledge that's secretly holding you back financially and can actually drastically positively impact the financial life of you and your family. Now, if you know that you're already pretty advanced when it comes to financial literacy and investing, then I instead encourage you to share that link with any friends and family that you think may need help or that you think may be going through some challenges, getting their financial life in order and optimized. And this way, instead of you constantly trying to get them back on track and trying to you know, sprinkle in some tips here and there to help them out, you can just point them to the course and you'll know that they'll receive a strong foundation and get properly set up for success as far as their finances go. So that link again to check out Kevin and his team's financial literacy course is buildwealthcanada.ca slash academy. And last but definitely not least, don't forget to claim your free one-year digital subscription to Canadian Money Saver Magazine, Canada's largest personal finance and investing magazine. It's a $20 subscription that you get for free as a Build Wealth Canada listener. And the magazine features Canada's top experts on personal finance and investing and is a great place to learn best practices and stay up to date on changes that will impact your investments and financial situation for years to come, specifically here in Canada. Now, to get that, all you have to do is open up a free savings account with my favorite bank and the bank that I personally use, EQ Bank. Now, the reason that I personally use EQ Bank is that they have one of the highest interest rates in Canada. In fact, in all the years that I've been with them, I haven't been able to find a higher interest rate anywhere. Plus, it's free to sign up and keep an account with them so you're not paying a monthly fee like you do with many of the other banks out there. And now you also get unlimited 
free Interact e-transfers as a bonus, which I think is awesome. So because of those reasons, I've been with them ever since they launched in Canada years ago, and it's where I keep my entire emergency fund and spending money as well. And just to put things in perspective, at the time of this recording, their Savings Plus account automatically gives you 2.3% interest, while other online banks in Canada are offering a maximum of 1.25. And if you're still banking with one of the larger banks, then you're getting less than 1%. So in other words, by using the bank that I use, you're going to almost double the interest that you're getting from your checking and savings accounts. And it's all for free. And this is why I've been using and recommending them for years to anybody that's asked and even before they became a sponsor on the show. Now, even if you love your current bank just for regular day-to-day use, why wouldn't you at least keep your emergency fund and any extra cash that you're not investing in your savings account over at EQ. That way you're at least earning over double the interest on your checking and savings accounts compared to your current bank. And that's actually what I did when I first started with them years ago. And since then, I've actually transitioned to them now being our primary bank. So to get the free account and one year free subscription to Canadian Money Saver Magazine, just go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash the letter E and the letter Q. Open the free account, and once you're done, forward any email that you get from EQ to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca. And I'll send you a coupon that gets you a free one-year subscription to the magazine. Normally, it's $20 a year. You basically get that for free by opening an account. So that link, again, is buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ to open an account. Then forward me any email from EQ to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca. And I'll email you the free coupon code to the magazine. Now, you do have to use that specific link. So you do have to go to buildcanada.ca slash EQ and sign up after clicking on that link in order to get the bonus. So just keep that in mind. Uh, And that's it. Thank you so much for supporting the show in that way. And now let's get into the episode. All right, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kamel. Thanks for having me. So, Kevin, to start things off, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background in government as well as your transition to promoting financial literacy by working with Enriched Academy. Do that. So my background, as you mentioned, is primarily working in government. Um, I worked in for the Ontario government for uh, for the Ontario Premier, then Jim Flaherty when he was the Ontario Prof, uh, Provincial Finance Minister. And then I spent eight years from 2006 to 2013 in Ottawa working for, again, Minister Flaherty when he was the finance minister as a, as a policy advisor, director of policy, and then uh, eventually his, his chief of staff. Um, that was a great experience. Um, I worked on a number of files. I loved it. My kids would say um, the most important thing I did was getting rid of the penny. Um, I'm not sure if that was the most important thing, but I, I was involved in getting rid of the penny, which is kind of noteworthy. Um, but I'd probably say, you know, working and we'll talk about this, working on the tax free savings account was really important um, and something that I'm pretty proud of. Um, I then work, went to work with Scotiabank uh, back in Toronto. I worked there for five years in a number of roles. Um, I then just joined Enriched Academy about six months ago in the last summer um, and really did that. Just kind of, I've had a lifelong kind of love of financial education and the need for it and the feeling that it's not really being taught that well in school. And I just really felt enriched. Um, I knew the the owners, they'd been asking me to join for some time. And I just felt enriched was you know, the best product out there. And it's a real passion of mine. So I made the jump from, uh, from government to Scotiabank to, uh, to Enriched Academy, which is where I am now. Awesome. And then why did the government decide to introduce the TFSA? And what was your involvement in that? Yeah, so that, as I mentioned, I was involved in that. That was back in 2008. Um, and so the primary thing uh, Federal Minister of Finance does is the yearly budget for the government. This kind of sets the policy table um, and sets the direction of the government. And in advance of the uh, 2008 budget, um, Minister Flaherty was traveling across the country, as he does, as all finance ministers do with, with budgets, uh, consulting with Canadian business leaders, academics, not-for-profits, um, you name it. And so we were um, we were out in Vancouver and Calgary as part of our pre-budget consultations. And I remember particularly being with uh, the minister at one of these consultations where the, the issue of, of, you know, trapped savings, savings that uh, businesses and people had that were in different vehicles, RRSPs were the primary one raised that People wanted to take that money out, um, wanted to reinvest it in other other ways, but just felt penalized by the potential taxes they were going to pay. So 
in Vancouver, you know, a strong plea was to create something that would kind of avoid this lock-in effect of, of money. Uh, we then went to Calgary uh, the very next day or flew that day, had another kind of roundtable, breakfast roundtable. Someone else raised this very same issue passionately, just saying, look, we've got to do something about this. So Minister Flaherty on kind of the flight home to Ottawa told me we need to do something, try and you know, talk to our tax officials, like it's the Department of Finance working on this. Um, and so they did. There have been you know, talks of programs like this before, but this is a real push of his based on kind of what he was hearing from Canadians. Um, the department made a proposal. They kind of the, the structure of the tax-free savings account was kind of developed um, you know, with a number of policy discussions, policy decisions about how it would be structured. Um, it was originally named, um, there, the draft name for it was actually LISA, Lifetime Income Savings Account. Um, but the minister did not like that name, nothing against, nothing against Lisa. He just didn't feel it was very descriptive of what it, what it was. So he asked uh, myself and a few of our staff, uh, Mary Martin, who is a tax policy advisor involved as well, to try and you know, come up with a different name. Um, I, we just talked about it and I, I thought like, what is this, this account really doing? What is this vehicle doing? And it's really, you know, you're having your savings be tax free. So I proposed the, the tax free savings account. Uh, the minister liked that idea. He ran it by the prime minister. The prime minister liked that idea. So the, uh, the tax free savings account was named and we announced it in that, uh, 2008 budget. And it's really been the biggest you know, policy development and personal finance since the creation of the RRSP. And, and um, I think it's a very popular and important savings vehicles for, for Canadians. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I noticed right now with the way the banks often promote TFSA is they, they promote it as a sort of a traditional savings account, but it's tax-free, right? So functioning similar to what a regular you know, checking or savings account the way it works at the bank. But so I think a, a lot of people don't know that you can actually invest in a lot of other things uh, in your TFSA. You don't just have to keep it in a bank sort of TFSA savings account uh, where your returns are going to be relatively low compared to if you were doing something like, you know, index investing and putting the money into indexes. Was that the, sort of the, so, so the banks seem to have noticed have run with that, right? Have you, was that the intention that you guys had when you set this up? Or is it just kind of that they just look at that and say, oh, it has the word savings account in it. So let's push this as a savings account. You know, we'll give people a few percent interest, say it's tax-free, and then we're going to go invest it ourselves and make a lot more money. I mean, it's interesting how things kind of evolved, I've noticed. You know, that, well, yeah, can you talk about that a bit? Was that the intention? Here. For that, I mean, if you you look at the budget documents, our promotion of it, it was supposed to be one of the real benefits was a real flexible um, savings plan, savings account. So, yes, the banks have promoted that way, and and that's I'd probably say one of the you know the the challenges or one of the flaws with how people are using these these TFSAs. Um, they really are, you know, as you mentioned, you can invest in index funds, you can invest in all sorts of um, vehicles, and that's why it's such a popular um, and, you know, uh, effective uh, savings account um, or, or savings vehicle for tax purposes. Um, so, yeah, that was not the intention that it just be a savings account. Um, that was just part of the name. Uh, but it has kind of, I would say that's one of the errors that people make is that they're not realizing the, the full benefits of being able to invest in, um, in stocks, in ETFs, in, in, the, in the index funds, any of those sort of things where you can get real gains. Um, and then when you pull it out, um, you, you're paying no tax on the capital gains. For sure. Because I mean, I researched this quite a bit and I mean, the, the consensus among sort of investing experts seems to be that you are supposed to put whatever investments you have that you think are going to be the highest growth. As a general rule, that's what you put into your TFSA because then you can, you know, it can grow tax-free, you can withdraw tax-free. I mean, you did pay tax on it initially when you put the money in, but I mean, you know, that can start compounding for years and you're never taxed on it in the future, like an RRSP. So um, yeah, so it's just, it's, it's interesting how, uh, I don't know, it, it sounded, to me, it seems like the banking industry found a way to kind of make it profitable for them by spinning it on this different sort of angle. And so there's so many people now that are getting their 2% or whatever the case may be, you know, when really they could be, let's say in equities or even just like a nice balanced portfolio, you know, and be earning double, triple, 
or maybe even quadruple that uh, depending on what they invest in. So um, yeah, it's very, it's very, very interesting. But for anybody that's maybe just getting started learning about RSPs and TFSAs, can you explain maybe what, first what they are and then share your best practices on how to use them? Sure. Yeah. So for most people, you know, the RRSP has been around for a while in the 1950s. Um, so both the RRSPs, Registered Retirement Savings Plan, and the TFSAs are registered savings accounts um, that the government of Canada has set up um, and really, for public policy reasons, is to encourage Canadians to save. Um, they are really near opposites of each other, the way they've been set up. So with an RRSP, um, you essentially, however much you contribute, you get to lower your, your taxes for that year. Uh, so you save on taxes at the front end. With a tax-free savings account, as, as you mentioned already, you've already paid taxes on that income. There's no tax benefit at the front end, but any money that's pulled out is tax-free at the uh, at the back end. So that's where the savings are. There's no capital gains, there's no dividend taxes, um, no income taxes if you're in GICs or other interest-bearing uh, investments. Uh, so those are, I mean, they're both, uh, I think, very valuable tools. Um, I think the name, you know, if you're in an RRSP, you're really looking at uh, focus on retirement because when you do take money out of uh, an RRSP, you're paying taxes on it. So one of, again, one of the key benefits of that is that you're deferring taxes. So ideally, you're investing in an RRSP when you're kind of peak earning, you're at your highest marginal uh, tax rate. And then it's in your retirement when you're pulling money out and I, you know, you're likely making less money than at your peak time. And so you're being, you're paying less tax when you, when you actually pull it out. Um, in terms of best practices, we already touched on one of them. Um, uh, just uh, with GFSAs, kind of those investments that you think are going to have the highest growth. Um, those are great vehicles. So that's a great use of the TFSA. Um, in broader kind of best practices, um, at Enriched Academy, we recommend the concept of paying yourself first. I'm sure many of you, this isn't a new concept, but just really taking 10% of your income automatically out of your pay, um, putting that into a high interest savings account, and then regularly transferring that into an RRSP, uh, TFSA, or, or both. So that's a broader best practice uh, that we recommend, and I think most, most um uh, investors and, and professionals recommend. And while we're on the subject of RSP versus TFSA, with the RSP, there is the home buyer's plan. And so some people choose to buy their you know, first home using the RSP, you know, use some of that money as a down payment as part of the home buyer's plan. But the TFSA is more flexible as there's less rules surrounding it and having to you know, pay the money back and you know, withdrawal rules and things of that nature. What is your preference on what, if someone is looking to buy their first home and they're debating, okay, well, they're saving for a down payment, we could be putting in our RRSP and then use the home buyer's plan to take it out, or we could just be using the TFSA, which is just a lot more flexible and has a lot less restrictions on it. What, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so my thoughts, um, so I, I have used, when my wife and I first bought our first home, we used the home buyer's plan out of our RRSP, but there, at the time, there was no such thing as a, as a TFSA. So we did use that program, and it's an effective program to you know, help people um, invest in their first house. But I would say now with the creation of the, of the tax-free savings account, I, I, I recommend that people use that um, instead for, as you said, it's the flexibility that's uh, embedded in the program uh, into the vehicle in terms of being able to pull out money and tax-free whenever you want. Um, I really think with the with now with the addition of the tax-free savings account, people should be using their RSP solely for retirement purposes once you take that money out of either account, but once you take it out of RRSP, um, you do have to pay it back, but you're losing you know, that, that compounding interest um, power uh, for the amount of time you've taken out of that. So my recommendation would be for the RRSP, use it as it's named for retirement, and you've now got this tax-free savings account. If you're looking to save for a uh, first-time home for that down payment, use that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I remember uh, I, I had Rob Carrick on the show from the Globe and Mail uh, quite a while ago, um, and he that was one of the things he he mentioned as well. Uh, so it was interesting to see that your perspective is the same as his. Uh, was that yeah, the home buyer's plan 
was created before the TFSA existed. And so that was sort of the only sort of go-to in terms of, you know, tax somewhat sheltered strategies of how you can start saving for a home. Uh, but he also said the same thing you did where uh, just how you know, now with the TFSA, it is just so much more flexible and how that is actually, uh, he believed was better suited uh, for, uh, you know, saving money for a down payment, uh, just like in your case. So that's very, very interesting how things have sort of evolved into, you know, what used to be the kind of the go-to strategy for new home buyers now has migrated to just using the TFSA for that. Um, and for anybody that wants to check out that episode, that was episode number 18. That was uh, buildwealthcanada.ca slash 18 is the number 18 if you do want to listen to that episode. But yeah, very, very interesting to hear uh, you know, that you guys both actually had the same perspective, even though traditionally that wasn't the recommendation, right? The default for the longest time was just use the home buyer's plan. And that's no longer sort of the you know, one and only perfect solution anymore. So that's, that's, that's really interesting. Um, now, I, I find definitely one of, if not the most common questions that Canadian investors have is how to decide for any given year whether they should be putting their savings in their TFSA, RRSP, or maybe a combination of the two. So as someone who helped create the TFSA, what would you say to someone that is asking this question? Yeah, it's a popular question. It's one that, to be honest, I, I debate at times as well. Um, I don't think there's one size that fits all. It, it really depends on individual circumstances. And again, I think both both are good vehicles um, and both should be used. Um, but I'd suggest just some rules to thumb. If you're in a high tax bracket and are really focused on retirement savings, I think the RRSPs are still the way you should go and that should be your focus. Um, if you're just starting out, uh, potentially in a lower tax bracket, um, or you're saving for something else, you think you may need to take it out, like we already talked about, a, you know, a down payment, or maybe it's um, going back to school or just emergency savings. Um, tax-free savings account would be where, where I would focus that time uh, or that money and, and uh, investment. Uh, similarly, if, you know, depending on what you're investing in, um, we've already talked about this. If you're in, you know, speculating on something or you've got you know, you set aside some percentage of your investment uh, for some real high growth um, opportunities, uh, tax-free savings account, I would recommend uh, for, again, not being, um, hit with the you know capital gains tax at, at the back end uh, when you do you do decide to pull that money out. So again, my main advice would be to just be maximizing both uh, to the best of your ability. Not everybody can can do that obviously all the time, um, but um, but 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 try to 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 do that um, and keep these kind of high level thoughts. It really depends on what situation you're in. For sure. And, and what are the most common mistakes that you see Canadians making with their TFSA? Um, well, first off, I would say not using it. I mean, there are, um, you know, I'd, I'd say more Canadians should be using a tax-free savings account. Um, it's not that hard to set up. So that'd be number one. Um, have and use it if you're not. Um, and then we've already touched on it, simply using it as a, as, a, as a basic savings account. You can be much more aggressive in your investing um, because you're not paying in, um, tax on the capital gains. You can have big wins. Um, uh, you, you don't have, you, you can't have the capital losses. So that's one issue on the, on, you know, kind of tax planning side. Um, but, but I would say that those are the two things, not using it and then simply using it as a basic savings account, which it can be for some for emergency funds, that sort of thing. No issue with that. But it's again, much more flexible, much more dynamic um, of a vehicle that Canadians should be utilizing. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then what about RRSPs? What are the most common mistakes that you see Canadians making with those? Um, so I'd say similar, not using it enough. Um, you know, there's the take-up rates are higher with RRSPs, I think, because they've been around longer than a, than a TFSA, but, but Canadians still should be using uh, um, and investing in them. Um, and then I think, you know, withdrawing earlier, uh, earlier than retirement for purposes other than retirement, and hopefully with the introduction of the tax-free savings account, there's less of this. But when you're doing that, you're just, you know, you're paying the taxes, again, at a higher marginal rate if you're still working. Um, and you're really defeating the purpose of kind of that long-term investment. So you know, pulling the money out too early um, would be kind of one of the, I'd say, one of the critical mistakes with the RSP. But hopefully, uh, with the introduction of the, of the tax-free savings account, which, again, getting back to the, the pol- public policy purpose, that was the purpose to allow Canadians to to have a vehicle that they can pull out for emergencies or for other 
you know, kind of um, a child's wedding or something like that, where they, you know, they need to, or they want to um, spend that money or those would be the two. Yeah. So with the top kind of a RSP mistake, so you're, you're, it sounds like you're talking about a scenario where let's say somebody doesn't really have money in their TFSA, doesn't have much of a cash cushion or emergency fund, something like that, doesn't have that, and then but ha- but have a bunch of money that in their RSP that they've been putting away, and then something critical happens, like I don't know, they're they need to get a brand new car or they have some big emergency that where there's a very big financial cost, and now they have really no choice. It's basically either go into debt or start to get money out of the RSP. But if they're already in a higher tax bracket, then now that withdrawal gets tacked onto their already high income, let's say, and now they're just they're getting a really small portion of their RSP. Um, so kind of defeating the whole purpose of having an RSP where you can withdraw it at a lower tax bracket. Is that uh, what you're saying? You, you've summarized it well. And, and obviously I understand sometimes there's circumstances you can't do anything about, but to, to as best as you can to avoid that because you're really, as, as you mentioned, you're defeating the purpose. You're, you're now paying taxes at that, that high marginal rate again. Um, you're basically giving back the, you know, the tax breaks that you, you received. Um, and um, it just, it, it's harmful to your financial position. So. For sure. Yeah. I, I think that's a good um, sort of action item for, for all the listeners is make sure that you have your sort of cash cushions, emergency funds set up accordingly so that you don't fall into this really horrible scenario where you're basically, where you, where you have this dilemma of, do I withdraw from my RSP or do I go on a debt? And that's because you didn't have enough of a cash cushion through your TFSA or through you know another savings account. So I think that's a really good uh, kind of critical point uh, to have. Uh, so uh, you know when it comes to financial literacy, what would you say are the biggest misconceptions or things that Canadians just don't know about that are really holding them back and limiting their net worth? So I think there's actually a lot of you know misconceptions or money myths holding people back. We actually so as I mentioned, have joined Enriched Academy. We have a full course on what we call money myth. And it's actually the first course. It's the first thing that we teach because there are a lot of these things that, that hold people back. Um, we've got quite a few that we list, but I'd say the two biggest misconceptions, in my opinion, um, are first, you know, people, you need to have money to start saving or investing. You need to have a certain amount of income. Um, and I think that's, that's the real misconception. Um, because I think these habits need to be formed early um, in terms of saving, paying yourself first. Um, and it's actually easier when you're younger before, you know, a lifestyle creep um, begins and there's more bills. You've, you know, you've got kids, those sort of things. So forming those habits easier um, and learning early about money is, is important. Not waiting like, oh, I don't have to worry about this. I'll, I'll worry. Until, you know, I'll start thinking about this when I get a raise or I get the next job. Um, and that same that goes for budgeting too. You know, um, you know, I'll do this when I make more money, or I'll think about this when I make more money. So that's I'd say that's number one, a big misconception. And then I'd say a second one that is equally important is you know the, the view that the skill of making money. Um, is more important than the skill of saving or investing money. Uh, there's obviously tons of focus on making money and, and getting skills, you know, years of schooling and that, and that's totally critical. You know, we, we, we need that schooling, uh, but there's so little time and effort spent on the skill of actually saving and investing money, you know, podcasts like yourself and, and that are, are an exception, I would say. Um, and I think those skills are equally important. We have uh, we have live events where we teach these concepts, and we have well very well paid professionals coming to our events, real estate agents, doctors, lawyers, etc., who have no issue making money. You know, they make they make hundreds of thousands of dollars, but many of them are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, they have smaller net worths than people without their degrees who are making much less money because those people have worked on the skill of making money, have disciplined themselves, um, aren't aren't spending more than they make. Um, you know, so it's not new concepts, but I think that there just needs to be a shift. There's a real focus again on the skill of making money, um, and not enough on the skill of, of saving and investing money. For sure. Yeah. I've noticed you can, def- you can always outspend your income, no matter how high your income is. Right. Especially you yeah. know, hearing the news sometimes, right. About celebrities and athletes who, you know, make millions really early on. Uh, enough to retire for for like a regular person, and then they go bankrupt, right? Because I mean, you know, for for different reasons, right? But it's that whole thing where you can't just out earn um, 
you, you can't just keep earning, keep earning, keep earning, and then just negligently spending and, and not learning how to manage your money. And then you, like you said, you wake up one day and you, you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars per year, let's say, like you said, some of these professionals, but yet their net worth is actually lower than someone making a lot less than that. Uh, I mean, I, I think yeah. that's a really, really fascinating point. And, and to your point too, about learning this early, as opposed to just waiting until you get more money, I, th- I think that's really, really critical. And I talk about this in my investing course a lot as well was, you know, that's a common objection people have is, is, oh, I don't have enough, you know, I can only save, let's say a few hundred dollars a month or something like that. So why, why bother? Right? Well, this is when you want to learn the ropes. This is when you want to get started because the stakes are a lot lower and it's a great way to get your feet wet and get familiar with it. And so that way, when you do eventually get that promotion or let's say you get an inheritance or, or you know, whatever, the, or maybe you have a little side business that takes off, right? All of a sudden you've got money coming in. Are you sure you want at that point with all this, these bigger numbers, these, this, this large amount of money, you want to learn it now? I mean, it's going to be a lot more stressful and, and the mistakes, if you make any, are going to be a lot more significant because you're playing with much higher dollars, dollar amounts. So, so I, I hear you. I mean, to start it early, I think is absolutely critical. And then you learn how it's actually not that difficult. When, you know, once you get the basics down, it's not like you need to know some fancy calculus or, or anything like that. It's very simple elementary school math is as far as it goes, I would say, uh, for the most part. And, and yeah, I, so no, I, I'm, I'm really, really glad you mentioned that point because I think it holds a lot of Canadians back. And it's really, uh, I mean, I remember when I, you know, taking calculus in high school and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm horrible at math. This is this calculus is hard. I'm going to be, I'm going to be horrible at finance. Right. And then, and then yeah. later you get into the real world and you're like, wait a minute, I haven't used calculus ever since graduating, you know, and, and I'm in this field now. Right. So, uh, I don't know. So I, I think that's, you know, I, I hope, you know, this, your conversation here and, and your advice inspires some people to look into this and realize that it's not that difficult. Um, so, so yeah, that's, I mean, it's a big thing. We, uh, I'll just give you one quick analogy that we use in our courses because um, we have a lot of people come to us, you know, they've got debt issues, they, they, say, they say they can't save. And we say, well, okay, what would, what would allow you to save? And they say, well, you know, I'm making 50,000, but if I was making 150,000, it'd be no problem. And we give the analogy of working out at a gym, you know, if you're, if you can't curl 50 pounds and you can't be able to manage, you know, $50,000, um, what, jumping up to 150 pounds to curl is impossible. You're not going to be able to do it. So you've got to be able to manage where you are. Um, and then it becomes, as you said, so much easier um, going forward once you start making more money uh, to, to just already have the habits built in. For sure. sure. And I remember taking your, your course and I, I love that uh, analogy. I think that's a really, really good way of putting it. Or it's, like, or it's like trying to run a marathon when you haven't even run your first 10K yet, right? I mean, right. you're yeah. like, what, why are you doing that to yourself? <laughs> you, have to, you have to build up the skills, like you said. Um, so no, that's great. And then you know, I find that we Canadians too, sometimes we get worried about the changes that the government might do which can impact our financial future. So in particular, there definitely seems to be some worry about the large percentage of the Canadian population retiring and about, and about there not being enough young people to support them from a tax revenue perspective. Is that something you think we should be worried about? Yeah. Uh, frankly, I think it's one of the larger public policy issues facing not only Canada, but the entire world. Um, you've seen it play out in Japan um, already, but it's happening across the world um, we're simply not having enough children to to replace ourselves, um, and there's real challenges. I think um, just speaking to Canada first, of you know potential intergenerational tensions. Um, younger people are already facing all kinds of you know financial pressures, um, and they're now likely going to have to be paying higher taxes, higher deficits to pay for for the services of um, to support the retirees. So yeah, I, I think it's a, a significant challenge that needs to be addressed. Now, what changes to our government benefits do you think may take place in the future to be able to accommodate something like that? Um, so I think there'll probably be a number of changes that, that'll have to be looked at. I mean, healthcare is one example. Um, healthcare is already um, 40% of provincial budgets and the parliamentary budget officer says every province is um, you know, fiscally unsustainable because of the rising healthcare costs. Um, caregiving is another area sort of thing. So, but in terms of actual benefits, um, you know, I think there could be a few, uh, we back in, when I was in government in 2012, made changes to OAS, old age security, 
um, announcing a kind of phased in approach to raise the age of eligibility from 65 to 67. Um, we thought this is good public policy for the exact reasons we've talked about, you know, um, Canadians living longer, Canadians working longer. The little known fact that, you know, the, the age of retirement of 65 was set um, nearly 100 years ago when life expectancy was, you know, in the late 50s. So <laughs> age of retirement was set um, at a higher rate than people were expected to live. Um, so we just thought it made sense to move from 65 to 67. Um, the the new the Liberal government reversed that back in uh, 2014 or 2015 when they, they came into power for you know for political reasons. Um, I mean, essentially, older people vote more than younger people, um, but there really was no public policy sense. Um, and I clearly think this is going to have to be changed in the future, and similar programs to this are going to have to be changed in the future. But the problem is that the problem will be more acute and um, potentially less phase in time. So I think... Benefits like that, I mean, I, I, I do think CPP is, is, you know, currently on a strong footing, but I think that's something that will, you know, will have to be monitoring. Um, and there'll be other, you know, potential benefit programs. Mm-hmm. And then for anybody that won't be retiring for another 10 years, or maybe someone that's going to retire soon because they're retiring early, but realistically won't be eligible for those benefits for, let's say, another, you know, five years or, or 10 years. You know, it's so far in the future, right? It's hard to plan for. So how can we best prepare ourselves for this uncertainty of how much income from the government will actually end up receiving in the future? Personally, I mean, I'm planning as if any of that government income will be a bonus. I'm, I'm planning in my retirement to kind of, you know, with my investments, my retirement planning is, will be, I'm hoping will be sustaining. I, I still think, as I mentioned, that CPP and others will be there. Um, but I'm doing my best to max out my RSPs and, and other uh, savings vehicles because I just um, unsure. Again, I don't think this is alarmist. I think this is just good good planning. Um, I, again, there will be some level of government support there. It's just um, unclear. I would say how much. Um, and I'm so that's what I would recommend to anyone is just to to be planning as as that income would be a bonus. Mm-hmm. Another reason why it's important to to learn this uh, early on, right? And so, you can yeah, absolutely, yeah, get compound just... interest working for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. As opposed to just kind of oh, hoping the government will take care of things, right? And um, yeah, yeah, that's a very risky, risky maneuver. It's interesting. I remember I spoke to one uh, financial planner. And they said that when they were doing financial plans for their clients, for especially for their for their younger clients, like let's say somebody in their thirties, that they in their in their financial models when they're doing their retirement projections and figuring out how much you need to retire, they actually didn't even include uh, OA, uh, OAS just to be conservative, right. right? And so they they would look at things like okay, looking at your savings, okay, you're you're going to get CPP, but let's just assume OAS doesn't exist anymore. And let's see if you can still retire with that not existing in the future. Do you think that's too extreme of a way to take it? Or do you think that's actually for a conservative scenario? That's actually not a bad idea. I think for conservative scenario, that's not a bad idea. I mean, that's kind of what I referenced in terms of using government income as a bonus. I mean, I I still think there'll be some of it there. Again, there's, you know, there's no talk and it'd be a very difficult thing for a government to change some of that. But I think we could well get in a situation where finances are what they are, that some significant changes will have to be made. And so Mm. my own personal planning, I'm planning as if it won't be there. And then if it's there, that's, you know, that's a bonus. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I I can see them, like you said, putting the age back or maybe they increase the clawbacks or something like that. eh? Just to to squeeze. Exactly, yeah. Because it it sounds like it would be almost like a political suicide maneuver to just totally just get rid of it, right? I mean, people would be up in arms about it because so relying on it. But I could see them making little tweaks to it where now you get less or now there's more clawbacks or you get it later, that kind of a thing. Um, So you have a very strong case for not depending on it, like what you're saying. That's that's great. Um, Now, I'd love to get your perspective on the Registered Disability Savings Plan, so the RDSP. It's something that's relatively new. It's created by Minister Flaherty when you worked with him, and it helps families with disabled children, but I find it isn't really well known to Canadians. Can you give a brief explanation of the RDSP? Tell us why it was created and what people should know about it. 
Sure. Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. So that's another one of the registered uh, kind of savings vehicles that was created within the last 10 years uh, by Minister Flaherty. Um, and the background behind it is, is really, um, you know, to support families with, with children with disabilities. Um, there's a real you know, financial burden, burden, financial stress, you know, in addition, obviously, to the emotional stress uh, for parents thinking about, you know, their, their children with disabilities um, growing older, having to you know, support them if they can't live on their own. Um, so the cost of that is, um, you know, a real concern to, to people. And there really wasn't a savings program or, or very little support um, for families in those situations. Um, the minister, Jim Flaherty, knew this personally. He had a son with, uh, with disabilities. So it was an issue that was, you know, pretty close to home for him. Um, and so he had lots of people from that community um, kind of talking to him about this. Um, a, a panel was created um, right when he first started kind of to look at the issue. Um, and that's where the, the idea of the RDSP uh, was created. Um, it's based on the RESP. Um, and it, it, you know, there's some technical details. I don't well, have time to get into the whole thing. But essentially, um, the government will match um, contributions up to $3 for every dollar that, uh, depending on your income level, um, that you contribute to the program. Um, there's a lot of flexibility built into the program for children to um, the beneficiaries to use money for whatever kind of means they, they need. Uh, the benefits are not clawed back. Um, there's And the other, you know, one of the other great features about it is anyone can contribute to RDSP. So, it could be friends, it could be families, um, that sort of thing that can 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 support you know those those children with disabilities. Um, I've spoken about this. I'd say one of the biggest issues is, is just awareness around this program. Um, people just aren't aware it's a new program, and it you know it's um, there's you know certain people that it's obviously catered towards that, that need it, and many others don't. But We've spoken about it. I've spoken about it at our at our events, um, and people have come up to me, you know, early emotional because they'd never heard of it before, um, and they had been saving their, you know, they've been doing, you know, fundraisers for nieces or nephews who had disabilities, and if they had this program, they could have multiplied um, significantly the kind of the savings for for these children. Um, so that's the genesis behind it. Um, that's why it's out there. Um, if people want to know more, um, rdsp.com uh, or .ca is um, a website that has all sorts of information uh, about the program and can help families set it up because there's a bit of paperwork to set up these programs um, for for families. But I'd, I'm very proud of kind of uh, our government and Minister Flaherty for, for creating this program. Um, I think it serves a real, real need uh, for people. And um, just want to do as much as I can to promote the program because it's it's so critical. And, and one of the biggest issues again is is lack of awareness about it. Mm. No, that's wonderful. It's great that they're they're doing that. And for anybody listening, it's you know if, even if you don't have a disabled child, I mean, there's a definitely a chance that you at least know someone who does, whether it's a coworker, friend, yeah. family member. That definitely let them know uh, about that. Uh, you can send them this episode or go, or go to the, the you know the link that Kevin just mentioned yeah. as well. Um, that definitely, I mean, it can make such a huge difference. Uh, Kevin, do you guys cover that on Enriched Academy at all? We do, yeah. So okay, we've awesome. got a section, yeah. So that's covered in our in our courses as well, and we also get into RESPs. So you know, we cover. Tax-free savings account, RFPs, RDSPs, and RESPs, just so people are aware of the kind of the four big kind of buckets of um, registered accounts they should know about. Okay, wonderful. That's great. Uh, no, perfect. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us. And you recently joined, speaking of Enriched Academy, you recently joined them to help with your mission of increasing financial literacy for Canadians. Can you tell us about Enriched Academy some more and why you decided to join them? Sure. Yeah, happy to. So um, I, I've i known the co-founder of Enrich Academy for, for 20 some odd years, um, friend of mine, friend of my wife's uh, kind of growing up. Um, and he's had a real passion for this, this area. Um, as of I, he, um, he came into it, you know, there was no plan to build a company. Um, his background is when he, you know, finished high school, he got a job in retail and different areas and quickly found himself $20,000 in credit card debt. Um, had never, didn't understand what 
9% interest meant, thought that might be a good thing. Um, and um, was really upset at that point to realize, you know, the challenge he was in and the fact he'd never been been taught about this. And and so when he when he got into a new job, we had a sales training job, um, he started giving back by going into high schools in part to, you know, learn to be able to be a better public speaker, because that was what his, his job was, but also just to give back and, and teach people about money. Um, and the first number of these events went went horribly wrong, like kids were falling asleep, that sort of thing, but he kept at it. He's a pretty diligent guy. And um, eventually the, his presentation got so, so good, parents would start calling him up. And he had a couple instances where parents called him up and said, uh, you're the one speaking at my, you know, my daughter's school. She's, she's asked me to take back all her Christmas presents and wants me to get her stocks instead. Like, how did you do that in, you know, an hour, an hour presentation? Um, and, you know, had enough of those calls that he realized, Hey, there could be a, a business here. So they, um, he and his partner at the time, uh, business partner, Jay uh, Seabrook, uh, filmed some of these talks, made them into a DVD set and, and started selling them. Um, the and it did very well. They went on Dragons then, had support from some of the Dragons, and um, and has now shipped. The company's now shifted to an online model. Obviously, people aren't using DVDs anymore. Um, and the focus is while it's still there's still a focus on you know young adults and teens. Really discovered that you know the reason teens and adults don't know how to save or invest is because their parents don't. It's a much larger market. And kind of focused to kind of institutions and you know, schools and places, you know, unions, places where people are being trained and, and not having been taught this. So Kevin, who's the other who's the co-founder, had been approaching me about joining. Um, I made the, the leap last, um, last summer in part because when I was in Mr. Flaherty's office, you know, I, one of the files I had was the financial literacy file, something that. Uh, Jim believed in and strongly we created um, a financial literacy task force that led to the financial literacy leader. You know, there's a lot of work in financial literacy, but um, a lot of it I found was just kind of pushing information at people. And what I really found was the enriched um, model and what had been developed by Enriched Academy was the best, you know, product system program out there to really teach people about financial literacy um, and the model is, is, I'd say, based on, on five things. So first of all, it's engaging and authentic. I mentioned Kevin kind of honing his material over time, giving thousands of presentations to really ensure that it's engaging and audience connect with it. It's funny and entertaining. It's also authentic because, um, you know, Kevin tells the story of, you know, being $20,000 in debt, uh, credit card debt, not understanding. And so people can relate to it um, and kind of demonstrate that it's not, not rocket science. Some of the stuff is pretty basic. But you just have to know it. So that's the first part of the model. The second is we've really shifted towards mandatory. Um, we work with partners where our training is required, not optional. Because um, I found, and we've all found, in kind of being in this space, you know, financial literacy is one of the easiest things to procrastinate on. You know, we've already talked about don't have enough money, too young, retirements, you know, a long ways off. Um, so if it isn't mandatory, if it isn't worked into required training majority of people will will put it off um and i'd say the last two kind of parts of our model that i think set us apart is this is you know 100 percent what we do it's our you know our only focus is on financial edu education we don't sell products um this isn't something we're doing at the side of our desk this is entirely what we're focused on um and i think a lot of the other models are out there you know the banks and that you mentioned them i worked at one um they do believe in financial literacy but there's always you know, they're, they're a bank. They're always trying to sell products. They're trying to sell a credit card or something else that's always in the background. And so it, it's not their entire focus. Um, mm -hmm. And um, that, that's our focus. And the last one is, you know, value add and we have a complete program. Um, you know, a lot of people write great books and I got my, my start, I'd say in grade nine, my, my grandpa gave me a copy of The Wealthy Barber and I read that and compound interest kind of just blew my mind. But um, not everyone's going to read read a book, right? Um, and so we've got a complete program that, you know, 13 and counting courses sort of thing. And so that's, I think, again, something that sets us apart. And so for all those reasons, you know, first engaging authentic, second, the mandatory model, all our focus and kind of the value add complete program. I just think uh, the enriched model is, is the best one out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely great. I, I, I saw a lot of the videos as, as well. And I, anytime somebody can make 
this feels kind of entertaining and funny and you know exciting to to others i think that that's that requires some recognition right because by default i think people think oh personal finance it's kind of dry who wants to hear about budgeting that sounds boring <laughs> sounds like homework right um so the way that you guys have done that i think is really really impressive where i mean it's actually enjoyable to watch and i mean i'm a bit biased i guess because i'm a kind of a financial geek so so i'm probably gonna <laughs> like it anyway but i but i mean the <laughs> fact that i'm watching these and laughing and smiling is it says something where i think you know somebody that maybe isn't as passionate about this as you and I are, they can still enjoy it, enjoy the enjoy the journey in increasing their financial literacy as opposed to it being this chore that they do really don't want to do and are there, you know, kicking and screaming, trying not to do it, but feel like they have to because now they're, you know, in credit card debt or they have very little yeah. safe for retirement. And if they keep on this track, it's going to be panic mode eventually. So um, yeah, so so that's what's wonderful. And then you, you mentioned Dragons then as well. Uh, yeah, it was great seeing Enriched Academy be so successful when it appeared on Dragons then. Can you tell us what it's been like having the Dragons as advocates for Enriched Academy? Uh, and also and at the same time, if there's anything else you want to uh, say about Enriched Academy in terms of how you guys promote financial literacy in Canada, uh, feel free to do so as well. Sure. Yeah. So having the dragons on was uh, supporters and, and having a deal with them was fantastic. Um, so the guys, Kevin and Jay went on the show, I guess about five years ago now. Um, they actually had all five dragons bidding, um, wanting to make deals. Uh, Kevin O'Leary was one of the ones on the, on the team or on the show at the time he was pushing to just do his kind of do something on his own. Didn't want any of the other dragons. Um, the guys decided that, you know, his, his brand of, of kind of um, wealth building and that wasn't something they were looking to have for, for, <laughs> you know, young, young Canadians sort of thing. So um, they ended up doing a deal with uh, Bruce Croxon and Jim Treliving. So Bruce Croxon um, created Lava Life um, and is now kind of uh, working in a venture capital space and Jim Treliving best known for Boston pizza. And um, those, both those deals have been fantastic. Um, some of the most successful deals, um, both Jim and Bruce say that they've had, they've been great supporters. I mean, it just gave a real round of endorsement for, for our company, for Enrich Academy to have them on board and, and also great kind of mentors and kind of being able to bounce ideas off of. So very supportive there. Um, in terms of what we're kind of doing now and how we work to improve financial literacy. So there's a couple of different facets. So, Kind of the content was built on doing live events, and that will never change. So we do live events across the country. I just got back from Victoria, where we did an event there for about 150 people. Um, so that's one facet. So we have these events across across the country, and, and people are willing and able to, to come out to those. They pay you know, roughly $400 for a full day, 9 a.m. to you know, 5 p.m., where we, we cover um, all the topics. And, it, and it's entertaining, it's, as I mentioned earlier, like people are laughing, they're, you know, they're engaged, they're inspired. Um, so that's one aspect. The aspect that I work on is kind of our online uh, program. And so we've got this online program where we've filmed and we've interviewed experts. It's been updated a number of times now and really focused on, you know, trying to get that training into um, Schools. We work with a lot of career colleges, um, some universities, um, working with um, actually a number of police associations. So police have found this is something that you know they're they're not training their their members about right now. And financial stress adds to a lot of mental health issues, um, and so they've found um, it very helpful for their members to kind of have this training. So it just relieves one one area of stress and obviously a very very stressful job. Um, we've got to deal with the CFL. And so working with all this, you know, the professional football players in the CFL to teach them the, the basics of money. Um, and hoping, I'm hoping that we can work more with um, kind of high school students and elementary students. So we just launched a program in the Niagara region here in Ontario, uh, EL Crossley Secondary School. So that's a high school um, just outside of uh, Niagara on the Lake. And um, 50 students there will be are going through our program right now. They'll end it by the end of March. And I'm really hopeful this is something um, that the Ontario government and other governments will see the value in and kind of roll it out to um, schools across the country because I think it's um, a critical life skill 
Um, it's something you mentioned, you know, calculus and that. I took calculus as well. I took every you know type of math there is, uh, but I'm definitely not using it every day. Whereas I'm, you know, I'm looking at my <laughs> my bank balance and all of those things every day. So um, lots of ways that we're you know kind of focused on on you know promoting and improving financial literacy. We also have a whole coaching division. So people that you know take our course or come to one of our live events and say, look, this has been great. I learned a lot, but I really would like some accountability and somebody to walk me through this. So we've got a whole series of coaches. And again, we're we're different in that we're not financial advisors. We're not selling product. We don't make money on commission like that. Um, but we're there to really explain the language. We compare ourselves to you know Rosetta Stone. Money is a language, and once you understand the language, it isn't that complicated. But you just need to be able to to interpret it and understand it. Um, you can you can get through uh, you you can handle most of anything with it. So um, those are the areas where you know really hoping to to help Canadians. We really believe um, that all Canadians deserve financial freedom. That's our our mission, and um, I think it's something that's pretty critical. And there really isn't anyone that I talk to that doesn't agree that this topic is is needed, um, and more people need to learn about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that, that's really wonderful. And yeah, I mean, because people can go and go to a, a bank and get a, you know, quote unquote free advisor and, and try to get their financial literacy that way. But like you said, you know, you guys don't sell any investment products, whereas they do. And so every time they, they open their mouths, you're wondering, okay, are they telling me this because this is for my own best interest? Or are they telling me this because they have a quota they want you to hit with some mutual fund or GIC or whatever the case may be, right? And so there's always that, that, that barrier, I think, where you don't really know if the advice you're getting um, is, is, is the right advice for you. And I remember hearing once someone say, which I thought was really wise, how the, sometimes the, the most expensive advice is the free advice, right? Because right. <laughs> no, they're, no, they're not working for free, right? So somebody, they're making money somehow. Something is paying for the building. Something is paying to keep the lights on. Something's paying for the salaries. So nothing is really free. Uh, and so don't you know, fall into that deception that you know, you are, you are getting some free advice, free financial literacy by just going and talking to a person you think has it. Um, so no, that, that's great. I mean, I'm really glad you guys, you know, you, you guys don't have that kind of conflict of interest potentially there. there. Uh, so that, that's great. Um, so uh, where can we hear more from you, Kevin? Where can we learn more from you? So our company is enrichedacademy.com. You can find out information there. People want to reach out to me directly. Uh, my email is Kevin dot mccarthy at enrichedacademy.com i think you probably put that in the show notes i'm not really on social media i'm on linkedin but that's uh that's about it in terms of uh my social media i find it a little too distracting otherwise um but yeah so our website email me directly um or find me on linkedin and that's probably the best way to to reach out um would love to talk to any of your listeners and kind of talk about if there's ways we could we could help them out Wonderful, wonderful. No, it's great. I mean, I, I love what you guys are producing. I've I've seen so much of it already, and and what you guys stand for, and and, and the lack of conflicts. It's just it's a really good. Uh, I'm glad you guys are a positive force in this industry because there's a lot of negative <laughs> forces, you know. So Thanks. I feel like you know, I feel like you guys and and myself, you know, we're trying to fight the good fight here and uh, and help Canadians out, you know, without just trying to you know get them into some expensive funds and things of that nature. So. Uh, yeah. so, so thanks so much for coming on. I, I appreciate your, you know, your, your advice and, and your wisdom and then sharing your experience with us. And I'm sure a lot of listeners got a lot out of this uh, as well. So, so thanks again for, for coming on. Thank you, Cornell. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Ken. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Definitely check out Kevin and his team's financial literacy training over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash academy to make sure you're not missing out on some key pieces of knowledge that might be holding you and your family back financially. And if you're already on the advanced side, then definitely feel free to instead share that link with any friends, family, or coworkers that you think would benefit from this financial literacy checkup to help make sure that they're not making any critical mistakes with their money. So that link again is buildwealthcanada.ca slash academy. And of course, if you haven't already, as a Build With Canada listener, don't forget to get that free one-year subscription to Canadian Money Saver Magazine and double that interest rate that you're currently getting in your checking and savings accounts by signing up for free to my favorite bank that I've been using for years over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. Once you do that, forward me any email that EQ sends you over to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca 
Ca, and I'll send you the coupon code that gets you a one-year free subscription to Canadian Money Saver magazine. And make sure you, have, you do have to use that specific link, buildwithcanada.ca slash EQ, uh, right before you sign up. And that basically is going to qualify you to get the free one-year magazine subscription. All right? And you'll also get that extra perk of unlimited free Interact e-transfers every single month through EQ, and you'll also know that you're getting one of, if not the highest interest rates in Canada on your savings account. And I will say too that it's not one, this isn't one of those promotions where you get, you know, a high interest rate for six months or for a month or whatever, and then it goes back to being some ridiculously low rate. So this, they basically, from my experience, have had one of, if not the highest interest rates consistently, and it's not some sort of promotional thing. It's just always that high. So it's definitely awesome. I definitely highly recommend you you check it out. And that's it. So that link again is buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. Go there, sign up, send me an email to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca with any other confirmation emails they send you, and you'll get that free one-year subscription to Canadian Money Saver Magazine. It's basically a $20 a year subscription that you're now getting for free for a year. All right, so enjoy. Have a great week. Thanks for supporting the show in that way and talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca. 